Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. My name is Rod. And I'm Jess. And today we are starting our first ever mailbag episode for the show. Yeah, we're really excited. We get asked questions all the time, pretty much through Instagram. And we try to answer them individually, but sometimes it's nice just to put it all out there. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing is not the most common thing. So (laughs) we want to be transparent and share with you our best kind of tips and tricks, what's worked best, what hasn't worked for us, and what are some key takeaways that you as a listener can implement either on your weekend journeys, on your vacations, or on a full-time travel adventure of your own. And if we don't answer a question you may have for us, feel free to email us. Um, We can answer questions maybe in future episodes, or we'll definitely have another mailbag episode at some point in the future. But we want to get you guys more involved with the podcast. So send us messages or comments, um, and we might do some shout outs in the future. Yeah, you can always email us at hello at thejetsettingfamily.com. Well, let's get right into it. Let's dive into these questions. Question number one. What enabled us to take the leap into full-time travel? Man, that's a hard one to answer quickly. For us, we have always loved travel. At least I have always loved travel. And Rod started to love travel once we got married and did a few trips together. Um, And when we had kids, everyone kept saying, oh, travel now. Once you have kids, it'll stop. And I think as motherhood started, I realized, you know, I settled down, we weren't traveling as much and I lost like that piece of me that made me so happy. Um, And then when we had Santi, he had some struggles with sensory issues that not only kept us from traveling, but really made us homebound for a really long time. Like even going to the grocery store, a birthday party was difficult. Um, And so we did really intense therapy with him at Children's Hospital of Colorado, like 20 hours a week for a while, for years. And then once we saw him improve and change and morph, and we knew he was capable to not only go to the grocery store, but really to take on the world, we realized you don't know what tomorrow brings. And we didn't want to take this opportunity for granted that we were all healthy and thriving and doing well. A part of me wanted to get that time back. We lost a lot of free time with Santi, at least as a kid, because we spent most of our days, at least him and I did, at hospitals and at appointments and at OT and at feeding therapy. So I felt like I didn't get to enjoy him to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of gives me a lot of time back, even more so with him now. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many other reasons that we can cover um, on why we decided to go on this full time adventure. And we actually do talk about some of these on our first episode where we dive into our backstory and what kind of led us to uh, become what we call ourselves a jet setting family. So if you're interested into hearing more reasons um, why we started this adventure, you can go check out that first episode. Yes. Question number two. How have your kids adapted to full-time travel and life on the road? Um, I think they have adapted a lot better than we thought that they would. There are so many simple things that um, we have done uh, and that you could do too just to make sure that your kids kind of maintain a routine as You know, routine is a weird word when you're traveling somewhere new every week, but there still is a way to instill routine in your kids, into your life, even if it's a travel lifestyle. Um, One of the things that we do is we give them a backpack where they can put 
all of their stuff that they want in there. So whether that's toys, whether that's books, um, security items, they have their own backpack that allows them to kind of have their most treasured possessions. And then it kind of teaches them a little bit that, hey, if I want to get more stuff, then I might have to clear some space in my backpack, right? Yeah. Um, They get really excited to see the next place we're going. Being able to see the new house we're in is an exciting moment for them. They Mm -hmm. like to run around and see where their room is. And just they've been really just flexible. Another thing is we always try to find a local playground. Uh, We find that they get really excited to check out new playgrounds. And so we try to find time in our week for that activity Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times we are sightseeing and doing things that might not be as interesting for a kid. Uh, But if we go to a museum, we do things like I spy. Well, we try to make little games out of the more, I guess, boring places for children (laughs) um, so that they're entertained. Giving them a camera is really a fun way to keep them involved. Um, But every now and then we try to go to a local park at least at each stop. And the only challenge I would say we've had thus far is, you know, we kind of talked about Santi's sensory issues and feeding still plays a huge part in that. We don't really see any other aspect of sensory challenges except for the feeding. Um, So Santi isn't one to be adventurous with food at all, nor will eat anything. And Santi's extremely picky. He doesn't eat pasta, meat, Um, He just started Mm -hmm. eating rice for the first time last week. We don't know if it'll stick. Hopefully, fingers crossed. So we just accommodate. You know, we try to make sure that we always have fruit on us, which he will eat and something he'll eat. Um, We pack if we have a long outing food just for Santi. Mm -hmm. And we kind of um, accommodate to his needs. We do try to really push and encourage him to try new foods. And we've had a couple successes on the road. But that's the only aspect, I think, that we treat them really differently than if we were traveling with a a friend. I don't know. Right. Okay. How do you go about reaching out to hotels and collaborations? This might be the most asked question uh, that we have received. We've been very blessed to be able to work with some amazing hotels and resorts as we travel. And a lot of people might think, oh, well, it's because, you know, you guys have a growing Instagram page. And I don't think that's really the case. Because we're still really small yeah, and like we the are grand tiny. <laughs> like people are like, oh, well, in the travel sector, you guys are growing. But at the same time, when you have other people with... 500,000 and a million subscribers. It's like we're mm-hmm. dropping the bucket, I yeah. guess. And so the real reason uh, why we've been successful with these collaborations, Jessica won't admit it, but she is a very talented photographer, guys. We have focused on providing and proposing family photography services to these hotels and resorts. Yeah, and I think really traveling with your kids is a unique opportunity. I think hotels often, they can't take pictures of random guests there uh, due to age. Mm -hmm. So to be able to say, hey, we want to check out your hotel. We want to check out your kids club and all the fun kids activities and capture that for you to use puts you in a really special place because hotels don't get that opportunity as often. So definitely that's a key point. And then also... There are a bunch of ways to collaborate with hotels, guys. So we do it through photography. But if you do website design, you go in and you rock it. You pitch that you would create Mm -hmm. an awesome website. Um, If if you have connections with brands in the hospitality space or publications or magazines, that could be another way to connect the hotels to those publications. If you have a big blog, if you are a social media expert, you can pitch your social media expertise. You can pitch marketing. There are a lot of needs hotels have. So photography is not the only avenue. It's really Mm -hmm. just about 
gaining the confidence to put yourself out there and be confident in, in the service you're offering. So next question, how have you organized education for the kids? Education has been kind of a twofold answer because Santi is five turning six. He finished kindergarten before we left on our travels. Uh, So we are uh, trying to work on the basics with him. So it's mostly reading skills, writing skills and math. And a lot of the times there are just, you know, so many opportunities where we're um, walking somewhere and we see a sign. So we try to have them read and comprehend the sign. We give them little um, reading lessons on places that we go to. And then also he has books that he enjoys, like the Magic Treehouse that he can read on his downtime. He has a Kindle that um, he has access to, you know, anytime that he wants to read. In terms of math skills, um, anytime we're out on the road and we're trying to figure out how much something costs, or trying to um, exchange currencies. Um, Santi's getting really good at, you know, adding up bills and understanding different currency values and everything. So it's it's not necessarily been based on a specific curriculum. It's been more of a, you know, what are the opportunities in that moment where we can provide him with some education that he can kind of practice and have some hands-on experience with rather than giving him a textbook or giving him a lesson in front of a whiteboard. I think the only time we force him to really sit down is when we're doing writing work because that's the one area he doesn't like and he needs the most practice on. (laughs) Um, He loves to read, he loves to do math, but he doesn't love to write. He would rather type. So we're trying to find time in our day to write postcards is where we started. We wrote a lot. We didn't ship any of them out because we suck. (laughs) (laughs) We have tons of postcards we've written people Uh and none of them have made it to the mail. But things like that, he... We try to get him to write little letters to friends and um, just practice that because that's really something you can't teach without doing. Yeah. Yeah. For Nora, I think the answer is a lot shorter because... She's two. She's two, and she is learning how to count. Yes, she (laughs) counts rocks. She is learning how to sing songs. Yeah, she sings a lot. She loves colors and telling you colors um, and the alphabet. So it's with Nora, it's really basic. And Santi loves teaching Nora. Mm-hmm. So she learns a lot from Santi. Santi gets frustrated because he thinks he, she should be able to do like big addition and subtraction or whatever. And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> Santi, <laughs> she needs to learn the okay. number first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's a lot easier. She's really just having a good sensory experience in the world. Mm-hmm. And then for social interaction, which I think is one of the most important parts of education we really try to find ways for our kids to socialize with other kids uh that comes in a couple different forms i'd say in some places we've tried to go to in bali we did the orphanage where he got to interact with other kids or Mm -hmm. we'll try to go to a playground as we mentioned before we've actually been really lucky at meeting up with different travel families via instagram at a lot of cities we've been to. Um, We typically meet up with someone who has kids around the same age as our kids and try to plan a a one or two day outing um, for him to get that social interaction. So, and he gets it a lot just walking the town. He's met like other local kids, Mm -hmm. Um, but we really think that's important for them not to lose on the road. Obviously they're with us all day, but you know, we're not stealing things and poking. We're not playing like little kids play and he needs to learn that interaction. Yeah. Okay, next question. 
What have we found to be surprisingly difficult that we didn't expect? Friends for sure. I miss my friends and my family a lot. Um, I wish that we could, every time we go somewhere, we think of someone that we know would have loved that experience. And it's like, oh, yeah, we are pretty much 12 hours away on the opposite side of the world from our friends and family. So we, we only really have the mornings and the evenings after the kids are already sleeping to be able to catch up because those are the kind of the morning and night times um, in the U.S. as well. Yeah. So that's been really hard is staying in touch with family. It's been an aspect that's been harder than I anticipated especially because we want the kids to talk to their cousins. But with kids that go to bed earlier, it's... And then for my nieces and friends' kids who go to school in the morning, it's really hard to catch them except on a weekend, um, which is typically our travel day. So that's been really hard. I think the last thing I would mention would be we don't have any babysitters on the road. Um, Mm -hmm. So we really don't get date nights or like a lot of one-on-one time. Every now and then we'll have a hotel that has a kids club so far it's been one (laughs) Um, which was fabulous but in two months yeah (laughs) and we were only there for a few days so and it's been awesome I feel like we've bonded so much as a family but every now and then it would be nice to like know you had a friend or a sitter that you really trusted to watch our kids Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say that but we had one or two people reach out to us and said hey do you need a traveling nanny like yes (laughs) and if you will pay for your expenses but (laughs) we can't afford that right now so yeah maybe one day guys (laughs) yep and that brings us to the final question for this mailbag episode and that is how far ahead do we plan our travels I would say I wish that we had planned out a lot more than we did, but we are procrastinators by nature and we (laughs) apparently suck at planning. So (laughs) no, I don't say we suck at planning. We have a very kind of open (laughs) plan. Yeah. We knew that for these first six months from June to December, we wanted to explore Southeast Asia, um, Australia and New Zealand, and then come back to the U.S., to New Mexico and a little bit of Colorado and California before um, Christmas to spend the holidays with our friends and family. So for us, typically, for example, we'll book a flight into a country and then we'll typically book the outbound flight because it's supposedly required by immigration to to have proof of exit. We haven't mm-hmm. found a single country ask for that proof, but we don't want to be put in a situation where we... We are arriving late to an airport. The kids are cranky because they've been you know, traveling for the whole day and we get stuck there because we don't have proof of a flight. Yes. Yeah, so typically we'll say, hey, we know we want to go to Malaysia next. So we'll book our flight to Malaysia and however long we decide we want to stay in that country, we typically try to stay about a month in each country. Mm-hmm. We'll book our outbound flight to the next one, but we leave that time within the country not booked until kind of the last minute. There's pros and cons to this approach. One of the cons, I guess, is that we're kind of planning this as we go, and it probably would have been a little bit more relaxing not to have to worry about booking flights and planning this all out in the moment. And a little cheaper as well. Booking flights kind of longer in advance tends to be more cheap. Yes. On the pro side, though, since we are collaborating with hotels, we have found since we have grown since starting and we have now more of a portfolio put together and we have um, 
kind of references to go off of, it is getting easier to collaborate with hotels as we move forward. So had we planned all of this out before departing from the U.S., I do think we would have missed a lot of collaboration opportunities that have opened up to us now that we're on the road. So I think cost-wise, we've actually ended up saving more, but we are planning on the fly. Like this to get to this last stop in Malaysia, I think we booked tickets two days before leaving and it was pretty rushed. But for us, it doesn't really stress us out. It doesn't really phase us, which is crazy because I'm a huge planner typically in life. <laughs> it drives Rod crazy. I like to plan things out and have our bags organized. And But it's been it's worked really well for us. It's given us flexibility definitely to show up at the first city, meet the locals, ask for opinions on where they want mm-hmm. where they recommend we go kind of get a feel for our first stop and plan from there and it's changing as we go too because as we collaborate more our schedules obviously based on those collaborations because that opportunity to save money and do what we love as far as taking pictures and capturing um, kind of dictates where we go <laughs> and to kind of close out this episode with this kind of question in mind, our future travels. So last week we talked about Langkawi, Malaysia, where we were. Right now we are in Penang, Malaysia, and we will be going through Thailand, Cambodia, uh, and then Australia and New Zealand. Oh, and Vietnam as well <laughs> throughout the next couple of months up until December when we go home for the holidays. So, you know, we mentioned that we love meeting up with other families. If you happen to be in any of those countries or you have any expertise or know people or have some great kind of places that we should check out, we would love it if you would reach out to us and let us know. We always love being able to answer your questions, um, whether it's here on the podcast or whether you email us or send us a message on Instagram. We want to be here to help support the rest of the travel community. So feel free to reach out for us at any time. And we also are excited to start doing shout outs here on the podcast. So if you want your Instagram or blog shouted out on one of our future podcasts, head on over to Apple or iTunes podcast and leave a review. And then you can screenshot it and send it to us via Instagram or at hello at the jetsettingfamily.com. And we may just give you a shout out. And we're excited to hear from you guys what you think of the podcast and also um, include you guys in a future episode. Yeah. And in terms of future episodes, we are excited for next week. We're going to have David and Madison from the American Field Trip on the show. They have actually visited all 59 U.S. national parks in the past year and a half or so. And we can't wait for them to share their experiences and stories about what it took for them to get to that point. Incredible adventure, guys. Oh, yes. We can't wait. Um, Thank you once again for joining us on our adventure. And until next week. Happy jet setting. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. 
What the Heck with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 